knowing the end of something, so knowing the end is coming, changes what you do. Knowing that a clock is running out, it alters how you act. So everyone's seen the movie, or maybe, with Justin Timberlake where money's gone and you live by time, and pretty much he's at the time where he works to live another day. So that circumstance, knowing that his time is clicking, he acts accordingly. Just like if I told all of you right now, both your arms are going to fall off in two days. So I know they're all good now, but in two days your arms are going to fall off. What do you think you're going to do? Do you think you're just going to go to Hoyt's, sit down, watch a few movies, just chill really? No, of course not. You're going to go doing archery, surfing, swimming. You're going to be using your arms as much as you possibly can. Knowing the end is coming changes how you act. So tonight we're looking at Luke 17, 20 to 37, which after I looked at it, I believe it's telling us three things, three important points. The first point is the kingdom has come. Then the kingdom is coming and be ready and prepared for when it does come. All right, so let's firstly look into the kingdom has come. So everyone look at your Bibles and look at verses 20 to 22. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. See, the Pharisees, they ask Jesus a question. The Pharisees at this time were just the Jewish religious leaders, and they believed that they really knew the scriptures really well. They knew the Bible in and out, scriptures. And so this question they ask, it concerns the end time. They ask, when does the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus gives a reply. And his reply is a bit odd. He says, The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's such a weird response. And as you look at how Jesus answers questions, he never really ever gives you a direct, simple answer. You actually have to do work on reading it. So we've got a guy, he asks Jesus, when's the kingdom ending? God says, it's not something that's going to be observable. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about Jesus coming, I don't think about just nothingness. I think everything's going to erupt. All the volcanoes are going to go off. Earthquakes are going to be cranking left, right, and center. Tsunamis, everything, storms, thunder, lightning. You reckon you would notice it? You'd think that you'd notice that the kingdom of God was coming. But here Jesus says it's something that can't be observed or won't be observed. People won't say it's here or there because it's already in their midst. So Jesus' point here is that the Pharisees, they're missing the kingdom's appearance because 
they're missing who Jesus is. Jesus is the kingdom, king. Jesus here is dealing with a tension, a tension that is littered all through the New Testament. You may have heard it, Bonnie. It's the now, but not yet tension. So Jesus in this passage is saying that the kingdom of God, it has come. But it's also to come. So it has come through Jesus. The kingdom has come through his ministry. Yet he says it's still to come. So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He there is referring to Jesus' ministry. It's like being at the movies. And you're sitting there in the preview start. And you're there, and depending on how much money you wanted to fork out, you're relishing in some pretty comfy chairs. You got your chalk top or your Maltesers or your popcorn. The movie hasn't started yet, but you're there. So you're still at the movies, you're still ready, but you're not in complete experience of the fullness of it. So here Jesus is dealing with the now because the Pharisees are focused on the now. They are only caring about wanting the now to be fixed because at this stage, they are being oppressed by Rome. See, they had an expectation of what they thought it was going to be like. But Jesus, here, he's saying that I am the kingdom come and you're missing me. So we see that through Jesus, his ministry, his message, the kingdom has already come. But the kingdom is to come as well. So let's read verses 23 to 25. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So Jesus answers the Pharisees' question, and then he turns and tells his disciples something. Something about the coming of God's kingdom. But the focus is now changed. Whereas before he was talking about the kingdom has come, he's now looking at the kingdom to come. The kingdom that hasn't yet come. The kingdom that we are looking to. At this time, when Jesus is with the disciples, they would have thought that the second coming of Jesus was going to happen in their lifetime. They would have thought that it would have happened straight after. But Jesus says... Don't be fooled by the people who say it's here or there. When it happens, it's going to be so obvious it won't or can't be missed by anyone. Jesus is telling his disciples that after he returns to heaven, don't waste your lives, don't waste your time following rumors or false teachings on when Jesus will return. Because we know 
that even the angels do not know when that is to come. And when it does come, it will be so evident that you will not miss it. So if that day is coming, that second coming is coming, what's it going to be like? Well, let's read verses 26 to 37. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given up in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came, destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. On that day, the day that is coming, all that you have is you, and your relationship with God. What I mean by that is that all that matters on this day is whether or not you had Jesus as your saviour. Otherwise, on that day, whatever you have accumulated is worthless. Whatever money you have is worthless. Whatever house you live in is worthless. Whatever car you drive, worthless. Where you work, it's worthless. Verse 31 says, On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. On that day when it happens, it just happens. You won't have time to go back. You don't have time to grab possessions. It just is it. It happens. As well, we see what seems to be two very similar people in the same bed. One gets taken and one is left. Whereas we see in the second part, two women in the same parts of their career, grinding grain together. One is left, one is taken. All that matters is your relationship with God. So we have the kingdom of Jesus has come and it is to come on that final day. It's a bit like, now I don't like using this analogy, but a soccer game where the hooter's gone, but they still play. So the hooter's gone, signalling that the game really should be over, but you still keep playing until that final whistle. You know it's over, but it's not quite finished. Or, like when the building gets blown, and the explosions happen, the foundations go, but the building stays there for a split second, standing on nothing. We are living in that time. The kingdom has come. The motions have been set. Yet it's still to come. So in light 
of where we're living and the time we're living, what should our day to day look like? How should we live? I mean, we all see those people who believe that the world's ending next week, tomorrow, next year. They quit everything they do, quit their career, sell their house, get rid of everything. Should we be like them? Well, let's look at what the passage says. Verses 26 to 29. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. When the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. On this day, they were not prepared. They were not ready. So how are we to live? We are to be prepared and ready. See, the people, they were eating, drinking. They were being merry. And they missed the day. Now, looking at that, does that mean that we should never eat, never drink, never plant, build, sell, buy, never marry, because those things might make us miss the day? No. See, God has given us these things as gifts, gifts for us to enjoy. The problem is when we get caught up in these things, these gifts, So when that day comes, instead of clinging on to God, you're clinging on to the things that God created. These things, these gifts, they can take control of our lives. It's a bit like when you get married and for a man, the woman becomes a focal part of their life, the center. All his attentions on the wife, what he does for the wife. Jesus comes, but his attention still just on his wife. A good question, and one that I find myself asking me all the time, is to find out whether you're clinging on to things, is are you eager for Jesus to come now? If Jesus came today, would you be excited about that? Or would you be like, Nah, I've, I've got a football grand final this weekend. Can you actually just wait one week and then come back then so I can sort of play that game? Or are you a bit like, oh, I'm getting married in three months. Can you just wait a year so I can enjoy all the preparation I've done for the wedding and then have, enjoy being married? Where's your thoughts at? Well, I lost where I was. So, clinging to yourself. Jesus, oh yeah, that's right. Or is there anything right now that you couldn't drop in sacrifice for Jesus? Is there anything right now that you are not prepared to lose for the sake of Jesus? Are these things that God gave us bad? No. We're to enjoy them. We're to enjoy the things God has given us. They're not to take central part in our lives. Jesus even tells the disciples to remember Lot's wife, who she was involved and part of a very sinful town. God showed mercy 
and allowed her and Lot to escape while the judgment was going to be placed on Sodom. All she had to do was leave it and let go of the town. What does she do? She turns back. Her heart is still for the town. Her heart was for the now. Her heart was for the physical. And because of that, she was turned into a pillar of salt. God demands to be at the centre of your life. Yet we continually put the things that he created there instead of the creator. So first application in being ready and being prepared is to not cling on to things of this world. And this is hard. I struggle with it so much. Remember the time we're living in. We're only in this momentary between the building being blown up and the building falling down. Don't throw away the kingdom of God on something which in comparison is utterly worthless. Don't get so swooped up in life here and now and forget about eternity. Uh, This is a bit for the guys really, but it's a bit like an Xbox game that you really get caught up in and you're playing it. friend asks you to come over, nah, play an Xbox. You got a soccer game, nah, play an Xbox. Youth group, nah, play an Xbox. Girlfriend, no, playing Xbox. (laughs) Food, no, no time, I'm playing Xbox. Then you finish the game. You finish and you look at it and you think about all the things you missed out on. What was it for? It was for something that is literally worthless, literally cannot be obtained. It has no meaning. It had no meaning on your life. Remember, in the end, all that matters is your relationship with God and how that operated in your life. The second point in being prepared and ready is to not bring your preconceived notions on what you think it should be like. The Pharisees, they thought they knew it all. They thought they had every secret. They thought they had the kingdom of God all sorted, yet they missed it right in front of them. Look at the Bible and learn as much as you can about what God says about it. It's so easily and readily accessible to you. You can get it for free. Read it so you're prepared and ready to live a life that brings glory to God and to live a life that you're ready for when God comes. Don't just base what you think is going to happen on what you feel like it should happen or what even I say it should happen. It needs to come from the Bible. Because trust me, the biggest liars are ourselves. Be prepared for the kingdom to come by having the best possible knowledge about the king and his kingdom. This is why it's so important to follow along in your Bible. Make sure that I'm talking from the Bible. Make sure every person that's up here, every time 
you're at a growth group, make sure the person is talking from the Bible. And thirdly, make sure that you have a relationship and faith in God. Look at verse 34. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. On that night, the thing that gets you taken is your faith in God who saves you. Otherwise, on that day when the kingdom comes in all its fullness and glory, you will be left. You will be left with the vultures. So if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with God, first of all, stoked you're here, keep coming. We love the fact that you come. But look into it. Spend time, spend effort in finding out whether it's true or not. Because if it is true and you miss it, There's no excuse on the day of the kingdom. There are no second chances for you. So remember, we're in a unique time between the kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming. Be prepared. Be ready. We do this by having a faith in Jesus, by not clinging on to the creations, not clinging on to the gifts, and having a thorough understanding of the Bible. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. I pray that um, our lives will show a love for you and a faith in what you have done for us. I pray that our lives will be ready, we will be prepared, and we will live our lives to glorify you. Amen.